Engineers and welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who not only survived the last recession, but thrive from it. And our guest this week, well, when it comes to real estate success, he's all over this. This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Hello, Visioneers, and welcome to Small Business Celebration. And our guest this week is Kevin Oliver, the owner of Oliver & Associates Real Estate Team. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And for visionaries who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, I am a uh, local real estate broker here in town uh -huh. uh, and an investor, uh, real estate investor for a number of years. For visionaries, you may notice that we're in a house, and which is kind of strange for a real estate agent to be in a house. But yeah. this particular house is unusual because it's a flip property. It is. A rehab. A rehab. A rehab property. Yeah. And this particular property started out under a different name. What did you guys originally call this property when you first purchased it? Well, well let me back that up just really quick. Okay. I know on a lot of our homes, we give them two names. Okay. So it's what we start out with. And then we always like to say, we, we take the butterfly effect. So we like to say that it, it, it evolves into a beautiful butterfly. Right. into another name. So this particular one started as the Stinky Shack. <laughs> <laughs> Stinky Shack. Okay. And, and then evolved uh, into a beautiful Northwest Charmer. <laughs> Northwest Charmer. So we are here in the Northwest Charmer, and this particular property is a culmination of many years of learning and developing and succeeding and failing, crashing and burning. You didn't start off as a real estate agent. No, I didn't. And what did you start out at? Are we going back to the womb? <laughs> I think so, or the pre-Prelazonic -pre era, I think. But, but well, let's, let's put it this way. What did your business look like in 2007? Okay. Now, back um, prior to even 2007, I, I used to work for uh, GE Consumer Finance, or what is called GE Money now. Okay. Uh, so I did a lot in the lending side of things. And when I left GE, I went into real estate as a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. And uh, started doing a lot of wholesaling and then eventually some rehabbing projects like this, but on a smaller scale. Right. And, you know, the, the lower end ones because I couldn't afford things back then. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> sure. But, um, and then all of a sudden, 2007, 2008 happened. And 2007, everything was going... Just gangbanger. I mean, it was going. You could do crazy. No wrong. You could do no. You could throw things on the wall and make money. Right. And uh, then obviously, two thousand eight happened, and right. the market crashed. Okay. And it was crashing so fast that all of us in the real estate industry, realtors and investors and everybody else alike, um, was uh, I guess for a, a lack of a term, freaking out. <laughs> sure. Well, in two thousand eight was the banking crisis, correct? Which is the subprime market. Subprime, and that's the lifeblood of the real estate industry. Uh, the banking is the subprime is a sect of that, right. but uh, but yeah, that that basically um, sucked the real estate market down, which pulled the stock market down, right. and everything else. And of course, we have the crash of 08 right. that everybody knows about, and then the uh, the recession. Right, right. 
And yet, you did something very remarkable. We had to retool. You had to retool. Yes. And you put a new team together. I did. So what we did a lot of times, so we came from that investor where we were, you know, selling six to eight, you know, uh, wholesale deals a month at, a, you know, about sixty to $80,000 profit a month, which is quite a bit, which is right. nice, sure. to nothing and looking, oh, my God, how am I going to make my house payment? <laughs> right, 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 big change. And so we had to really take a look at where are we going in this market. So we started taking a look at REOs, short sales, the things that were happening in a in a down market. Mm. So we retooled, we started doing more of the trustee sales. Uh, so there were still people out there in any market that have money. Right. So you just had to go find out where those people are. And that's it. Right and that there. was the trick. So I had to go find that retool and I started um, buying at the trustees sales. Nice. And now I was not doing it my, my uh, well I was doing it myself, but I mean not for myself. Right. right. <laughs> so I was buying it and, and charging a fee to some of our investors and we were making about, you know, anywhere from three to $5,000 a pop on uh, money in that. But we were selling about twenty to twenty five a month. Right. And that thing, which is not bad. Not bad at all. And uh, from there, um, you know, the market leveled out at 2012 uh, and then st and has been going up ever since now to 2020. We're currently in, with this pandemic, a lot of businesses are scared right now. They are. And with good reason. There's a lot and of economic uncertainty right now. How are you taking the lessons that you learned from 2008 and 2009 mm -hmm. and applying that to the business climate of today? I think right now the ones that went through that market, the smart ones I should say, <laughs> that went through that market right. um, need to have put those safety nets in place. Mm. Do not overextend yourself. Um, so right now, because when the market changes, it's going to change quickly. Right. And just like it did in 08. I mean, it was one day we were there and all of a sudden it, it's crashing. And right. Just like the pandemic. I mean, what was that? March 17th, 18th? Right. We were at one happy-go-lucky, hey, let's go out and have a glass of wine to, uh, we don't have any restaurants. Oh right. my God, McClintock's in Paso Robles is closing forever. Forever. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I mean that's an icon. <laughs> right. Sure. So that's the kind of things that we're dealing with right now. And it's a scary time. But at the same time, this is the opportunity to make more money than ever. Correct. Well, <laughs> and you're going at a thing that I we had talked about earlier, absolutely, where I, I actually made more money in the down market as an investor because mm. we're acquiring at that oh, point. Okay. You're trying to acquire as an investor. Because there's two mindsets. There's the investor mindset, and then there's a realtor mindset a lot of times. Realtors trying to do the transaction where uh, a lot of times the investor is either looking at yield or looking at margin. They're looking at long-term gains or, or short-term, right. you know, depending on which they're criteria is right so there's a lot of different factors but yes in that particular instance I made a lot of money in the up market we retooled freaked out for about a year and then um, made a, a lot of money in the down market which set me up for where we're where we are now being able to have multiple properties multiple group homes um, homes like we're standing in now that we're able to acquire make a beautiful home, make that transition into the Northwest Charmer and be able to give a wonderful client, uh, whoever that person may be that buys a sure, house, sure. a beautiful home. And that's what it's all about. When we come back, we're going to learn how Oliver went through and found his niche in the real estate market 
And before we do that, if Visionary Nation wants to get in touch with you and learn more about flipping houses, want to learn about properties, learn about investing, learn more about your business, how can they do that? There's a number of ways. Obviously, I mean, I'm probably the first two pages of Google if you search <laughs> Kevin Oliver Bakersfield. But besides that, you can obviously go to my website. Uh, it's uh, kernrealestatesolutions.com. That's my real estate side. Okay. And then you can also call me direct, 661-808-3444. What was that number again? 661-808-3444. And we'll be right back. Do you think you have a business that can't be sold in the age of COVID-19? How about the Noriego Hotel? Sold. How about Brits Diesel and Automotive? Sold. How about Two Fat Sandwich Franchise on Stockdale Highway? Sold. Turn your hard-earned business into gold by calling Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 or visit them at their website at www.sunbeltnetwork.com forward slash bakersfield CA and don't let your business go to waste. Call Sunbelt Business Brokers and Advisors at 661-323-2358 today. We're here with Kevin Oliver, the owner of Oliver Associates Real Estate Team, and we're here in the Northwest Charmer. Northwest Charmer, and the key to your the success of your business is you have found the right category, the right niche mm -hmm. for your business. You don't do properties that are less than a hundred thousand dollars, and you don't do properties that are ten million dollars. That's correct. Why have you specifically chosen properties that are in the hundred to three hundred thousand dollar purchase range? Well, I always like to take a look at our market as different fish barrels. Okay, all right. <laughs> and we have our you know hundred thousand dollars or less fish barrel with a couple of little fish over here and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and not a lot of margin. They're pretty small. They still got time to grow. Sure. And then you have your your two hundred, your three hundred, your four hundred, five hundred thousand, and then ten million dollar barrels right. that just really don't have that many fish in it. Sure. Okay? Sure. How many? I don't have ten million dollars. You know, right. so not and a lot of people do. Right. But the majority in our market today, we and I take a look at what is the majority of our people, what kind of loans are the majority of our people getting? Right. They're getting FHA loans. Well, what's our FHA loan limits? And uh, so <clears throat> we take a look at that range. Where does the FHA loan limits go you know, to the majority of them? Mm -hmm. And so we're typically seeing anywhere from 100 to 300,000 in uh, sales price. Okay. So I would much rather fish, you know, if you like fishing, I like fishing, right, right. and a barrel that has more fish than, than ones that don't have as many fish. Right. And that's why we, we take those ranges. And then we don't drop down below a lot of times because there just isn't the margin sure. in there for profitability. Right. So I mean, I, we are a business. We have to run on profitability. <laughs> so, and that's the, the, the reason why we, we look at homes between $100,000 and $300,000 usually. This choice mm -hmm. of the hundred to $300,000 purchase range, not necessarily what you sell the property. Correct. Has come from experience. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, I'm one of these people that sometimes gets insomnia and I'm up at two o'clock in the morning and there's these great infomercials about flipping homes and things like that. And you've been doing this for We've a while. Yeah. And you have specifically chosen this market for a variety of reasons, but what is some of the things that you have learned the hard way 
that has been guideposts to say, you know what, these are the kinds of properties we're interested in pursuing. Well, yeah, yeah, there is criteria that we look for. <clears throat> um, I like myself personally. I like to, even though I say a hundred to three hundred thousand, I even tighten it up a little bit more than that. I may go one fifty to two fifty in regards okay. to the acquisition price. But I also prefer to do a three bedrooms versus a two bedroom um, because of sellability. Or even nowadays, I'm in a four bedroom sometimes because people are having blended families. A lot right. of times they'll have, or I should say, multi generational families, oh, okay. where you have. Um, a parent with a, a younger child or children, and then a, a parent, a, a grandparent right. that's there. So you'll have, you're seeing that a lot more often now. And this all comes from, well, I built this, I flipped this particular house, or I purchased this piece of property, and then I sat on it for two and a half years because it couldn't move. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that's also important in all of this, and this is a, a larger philosophical picture, mm -hmm. what's the difference between a house and a home? Great question. Um, that has to do a lot with emotional attachments. Okay. And we see this a lot in homeowners that we're working with, even as realtors, not even just as, as investors, but both sides of it, where someone is so emotionally attached to their home. And uh, a home, in my eyes, is somewhere where you raise your children and you have your fond memories, the, you have your Christmas there, you know, your turkey dinners at Thanksgiving. Right. And it is truly a home, and that's where your heart is. Right. And uh, you have your emotions. And then a, and a house is just it. It's a house. Right. It's a stick, it's drywall, it's paint, it's a roof. Right. It's, it, it, um, it's all monetary. It has, there's no emotional attachment. And I, had, and I felt so bad. I had this one, this one lady I was talking with, and her husband and I were good friends. Right. And he had asked me, he says, Kevin, can you come over and take a look at her house? We don't know what to do with it. And she, it was her, actually her father's house. Right. And, um, and he had been moved into a home. He was, you know, ill, and so there was a lot of still painful—not painful, but but heart-wrenching emotions right. still there. Mm -hmm. And I, we were sitting in the master bedroom after I had taken a walk through with them. And I and I, we'll call her Lisa. Sure. Okay. And I said, Lisa, I says, you need to decide whether this is a house or a home. And that really hit her hard, and I made her cry, and I felt so bad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but her husband came to me later um, that evening. He, we, we called, we were talking on the phone, and he says, Kevin, thank you. And I says, for what? He says, you know, let alone the, you know, taking a look at, you know, the house and everything, but presenting whether it's a house or a home to my wife because it made her realize how emotionally attached she is to this house and it got us to be able to open up that conversation. How is the same philosophy used in your business? Well, there's, in rehabbing a lot of times, begin, and we see this a lot with beginning investors or, or, or uh, new uh, flippers, right. uh, if you want to say, where they will come in and they've, they've acquired the property, great, because that's really where you make your money is when you buy the property. Okay. But, and you realize that when you, when you uh, uh, sell, sell it. it. 
But during the process, when you're rehabbing and things like that, there's a lot of costs there. Right. And a lot of these uh, uh, rehabbers are the new ones. And I don't care whether it's a guy or a girl. It, right. it goes both ways. Right, sure. <laughs> They'll come in and say, oh, I like this. And they get all emotionally wrapped up right. in something that should be a house. Right. Because they're not going to live there. And I constantly tell people a lot of times, are you going to live here? Well, no, I have a beautiful house, on, you know, da, 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 da. And I says, then take a look at the neighborhood. You don't need right. to have Beverly Hills here in the middle of Rosedale. You know? Right, sure, <laughs> sure. You know, Rosedale's a beautiful town. I'm not picking on them, but, uh, right. but you know, or, or wherever, you know, because right. you have different levels of homes. You're not going to put a, a tile roof in the middle of a community that has composition roof, right. roofing. Okay, you're not going to come in and put, uh, you know, beautiful granite and, and high-end uh, uh, features in somebody, in somewhere that, that, you know, has an up, maybe upgraded tile or right. something like that. You have to upgrade to the neighborhood and you want to just come up just a little bit higher. Right. A lot of times, but not extravagant. Well, and that's because you want to give value. You want to give value, absolutely. Right. You want to take the ugliest house on the street <laughs> right. and make it the most beautiful house on the street. Right. Perfect example, this house. We used to call it the Stinky Shack. Stinky and Shack. And it was bad. Right. Uh, and, and now we've made it the Northwest Charmer, and we have upgraded it and made it the best house on the block. When we come back, we're going to delve a little bit more into your personal philosophy mm -hmm. of business ownership. Okay. And uh, you also have, have a, a couple of loves in your life that, mm -hmm. that make, have made a great impact on your life and the, and the decisions that you made. And we'll talk about that when we come right back. Can you believe our 100th episode is right around the corner? Neither can I, but who would you like to see as our guest here on Small Business Celebration's 100th episode? Well, if you've got a thought, leave their name in the comment section below and your guest of your choice could be here on Small Business Celebration for our 100th episode. So leave your thoughts in the comment section below and who knows, your guest could be our guest here on Small Business Celebration's 100th episode. We're here with Kevin Oliver, the owner of Oliver & Associates real estate team, and you happen to have two precious little girls. I do. And they are what kind of dogs? Rottweilers. Rottweilers. And what are their names? Khaleesi and Arya. And how'd they get their names? Well, this, <laughs> this is it. For all you Game of Thrones fans, sure. uh, Khaleesi was the queen okay. uh, on the, uh, the show Game of Thrones, uh -huh. and Arya was the youngest uh, daughter of uh, the Stark family, and she became the assassin within the, uh, the show. And I think I'm probably one of three people in the world who has not watched Game of Thrones, so I'll take your word for it on that. But the choice of a Rottweiler is interesting. Because Rottweilers, like pit bulls, tend to have a rather negative connotation, and yet you have two of them. Why? Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, they're such a, actually a loving breed, okay. and um, they're wonderful with children, and they do have a negative connotation, and I think that it is, they are a fierce dog. They're very protective of the home right. and of the family themselves. And uh, the Rottweiler itself is, I mean, we were talking uh, 
before, but I mean, it's one of the oldest breeds known to man. I mean, they came in with the Roman armies. Wow. And uh, they were actually called the Butcher Dog. Why and, is that? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if you, you think about Robin Hood, I mean, it's a sure. traditional uh, character, but I mean, sure. Robin and Sherwood Forest and stuff, you had a butcher that would go from town to town right. uh, butchering meats and, and stuff like that for the folks. And he was a likely uh, candidate, really, when he was in the middle of the forest, I sure. guess, to be robbed by the highwaymen. Oh. And so what he did, or she, and I, you know, right. who knows, but it was he probably, uh, went ahead and tied their purse around the Rottweiler's neck. And he was not robbed for over 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> Thus, they were called the Butcher Dog. <laughs> and Rottweilers are, and the choice of a Rottweiler mm -hmm. is also, in many ways, is, there's, an old, there's an old idea out there that the the type of animals you own are indicative to who you are. And I wanted to take a look at that for a second because are you a fierce warrior creature that has a bad reputation or, <laughs> or, do, you, or do you view yourself as, as an individual who is the protector, who always is looking out for the best of the family and protecting what's, what's valuable and important? I think that in, in any good, I mean, I've been with my wife 35 years. We have two beautiful young, they're not boys anymore, they're men. Right, right, <laughs> right. And I uh, know, but them growing up, yeah, as the father of a family, and I think in any good Christian home that, you know, you are the leader of your home spiritually as well as the protector of your home, um, uh, being able to provide. Even in the Bible it says that, yeah, you shall provide. Right. And uh, so maybe I do look for that, the protector of my children, even though I think my wife would probably say not with mama bear <laughs> <laughs> right sure so but yeah I, I think that possibly I am in that, that aspect yeah sure part of that role is education and self-education mm -hmm. and you are an avid reader I do like to read what is what is something a book that you would recommend to Vision Your Nation that sticks out that's been a big influence in your business? Um, actually, there is one book, um, and it's kind of a cheesy book, actually. Okay. And uh, the foreword was written by Dave Ramsey. Okay. And uh, it's I mean it's probably it, it is really corny if you read it, but it has to do with mindset, really? and it is a mandatory book to be on my team that you must read. Okay, and, and, and it's called Rhinoceros Success. Rhinoceros <laughs> Success, okay, all yeah. right. And I think, was that Alexander Scott read, right. uh, wrote that one, I think okay. it is, but yeah. But uh, I know Dave Ramsey wrote the foreword, and, uh, but it's a, it's a great book. It's an easy read, very small book. And what sticks out, what's, what's the key takeaway from that book that made you want to read and recommend this book? In, in any kind of business, you really have to have thick skin. Mm. Um, you have to be moving forward constantly, perpetual motion, forward motion. Right. And um, can we look back and, and learn from our mistakes? Absolutely. But a rhinoceros is constantly charging. Right. Charging forward. Right. And that's how I see us in our business. We need to charge forward. Mm -hmm. And there's a, and that thick skin comes from, you have a lot of naysayers. There's people that told me, oh, Kevin, why are you getting in the real estate business? You can't do those flips. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Are you kidding me? Right, 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 right. <laughs> and, uh, but you have all those naysayers. So you have all those arrows coming in at you. And, then, right. and you have to have thick skin to be able to, and your family. You have family members. Uh, and, and I'm saying, for all those new investors, do not listen to your family members. <laughs> <No. laughs> they're well-intentioned. Uh, they're well-intentioned, but. but. And that's in any business, though. 
Right. And uh, but but I'd say Rhinoceros Success is a, a really cute, good book that I think would be. Uh, like I said, it's a mandatory read on my team. What is one thing that Visioneer Nation can do today to grow a strong and profitable business? I know a lot of things when because I know that. I mean, I went through the 08 crash. I've gone through the ups and the downs in our market where, I mean, there was times where we, my wife and I are thinking, oh my God, how are we going to make the mortgage payment? Right. And uh, I mean, now we live a little bit more comfortably, thank goodness. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but no, you know, again, you know, don't overextend yourself, to, you know, put your safety nets in, in place like that. But in any business, as you're perpetually moving forward, um, right. even in the tough times, where I've, I've sat down, I'm like, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage. I had thought and says, okay, I need to market more. I need oh. to go out there and I need to find the clients forward charging to get those clients in so I can bring the money back in. Because myself as the CEO or the owner of my company, uh, my job is to ensure, not to ensure that I get a paycheck, but to ensure that my business has continual flow of cash into it. Mm. And that's a lot of time where I teach my agents, you know, I'm not worried about my paycheck. Right. I'm worried about every single one of theirs to ensure that my company has the cash flow, the blood, the cash blood to be come through the veins of our business to help feed each one of our, you know, our folks on our team. And you know why I don't worry about me? Hmm. Because I have all those other folks that are worrying about me. Nice. I don't need to worry about me. The point that you brought up about marketing, even mm -hmm. in a down market, yeah. the enjoyment of the returns of having initially put a lot of marketing and a lot of work and a lot of effort into becoming known and developing your business. And yet, at the same time, you've developed a business now that is so referral-based. It's so word-of-mouth. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're marketing like crazy right now. I still market, even to this day. Why? Um, gosh, you know, there's so many folks that are out there. Yeah. Um, my pool of, and our base is, our business is so relationship business. And, and there's different ways, in the real estate business now, I'm talking realtor business a lot of times more right. so than I am on the investor side. But, it, but it, still applies on the investor side is when I can meet you or I can meet you know other people I expand my sphere of influence but my sphere of influence can only go so far right what I what we need to do is to continually market to other people so that I can access their spheres of influences and so on and so on how are you doing that in this age of COVID when everything has begun via Zoom? That is a big challenge. I mean, obviously, the easy answer is social media. Right. We have a lot of social media. We have great podcasts and video casts such as Visioneer Nation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't pay him to say that. I'll take my five bucks later. <laughs> but no, but no, I mean, we have a lot of great things that are accessed that are out there. Right. Um, we still have TV. We still have uh, social media. We have podcasts. We have, uh, you know, there's so many other things. 
and we can still get together, just not in large groups. Okay, right. <laughs> and we can talk to people, right. such as you and I, with correct social distancing. Right. So right. it's not that we have to lock ourselves in our in our basements and, and hide in a, in a fetal position. Right. You know, you need to get out there and still uh, work our business. Now, there are challenges. There mm -hmm. are things, you know, wear your face mask. I know there's rules with uh, uh, from the California Association of Realtors that we have to, you know, they're gloved, there's limitations of how many people you can bring into a house. There's procedures right. That, right. That, that, are, that are in place. So COVID brings up a whole different uh, things, whether procedural or otherwise. Sure. Kevin, this has <laughs> been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for being on Small Business Celebration, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for having me as well. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision, a visionary is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visionary is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visionary gives value first because visionaries are in business for the long haul. Visionaries understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visionaries define their destiny. Visionaries create their own luck. Visionaries surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visionaries are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioner? Join the Visioner Tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.